Okay, Hemshechayim Beis, we're in the middle of Discourse 28, Vayishlach, we're up to chapter 109. And we're in the middle of the story of Lovan and, and Yaakov, Laban and Jacob. And how the Torah explains the end of Pasha Vayetze and the preparation for his meeting Esau, the conclusion with Laban's story is where they make the covenant. And Lovan builds a mound. Builds a mound of stones and says... I won't cross this boundary to you, and you don't cross to me. So basically the summary of that is that Yaakov's role is representing, he calls him Baal HaTikun. Yaakov is Baal HaTikun, Baal Elam HaTikun. He's the world of Tikun, the world of Atzillus. All the others are Atzillus. Avram, Yitzhak, Yaakov, Chesed, Gvura, and Teferis. But Yaakov is, the, of course, Bechira of us. He's the chosen among the patriarchs. So he's Teferis, he's the central role of Atzillus. So he brings Avram Yitzchak and transmits. What was Yaakov's work? Going from Be'er Sheva, which is the Sheva Midas of Atzillus, and bringing it into the world, into this world. It's Yaakov's role. And Choran means Charein Af, wrath, the place of darkness. And of course, Lovan lives in Choran. That's where he goes and he builds his whole family. And as we discussed, Yaakov's main work, under the radar, Lovin didn't even notice the power of this man, his nephew, that he refines the Tzayn Lovin. Tzayn Lovin, the word Tzayn comes from the word Yitzhiyah, which means he drew out from Levin Elian, from the supernal whiteness of Keser, into Atzillus, which would ultimately its goal is to transform the world. Lovin thought he had this type of naive little nephew, just as a scholar, and he's going to take advantage of him, and he did take advantage seven years of work, and then he fooled him another seven years, the whole deception going on. But meanwhile, Yaakov was working silently and making major waves, and then, like the Lushan here says, suddenly Lovan realizes too late what Yaakov is really about. And uh, he says, After he saw what Yaakov this, what he had done with all his activities, with the Maklis, and that was he's bringing down the world of Tikkun into this world, and the power that he has, the ability to continue doing it, to the point of even bringing Mashiach, so he says here clearly, love and finally makes a final uh, final stand. That he's not going to take. That's that's the way that the Mitzvah Rebbe and the Rebbe Rashab elaborates the Parsha. It's unbelievable. That's the whole end of the Parsha. That's why love and meets him, runs after him, pursues him. And, they, and this cryptic story, what's the story? Making mounds and agreements and covenants, and he puts a gal, a matzeva, he makes a marker or a monument of one stone, and, and Lovan makes the mound. So the answer is very simple. Lovan saw what Yaakov is about to be able to accomplish. He's about to go back there to Israel. And the stakes are high. Lovan of Klippa now we're talking, not his root. Lovan below puts up a, a final standing, builds a mountain. What is this mountain? What is this mound? This mound is to block the Amshach. He doesn't want Tikkun. He doesn't want Yaakov to finish the job. So he blocks the flow. He tries to block the flow. He tries to block the flow, which is a gal. What is a gal? A gal is the parser between Atsilis and Bria. So in the regular structure of things, the parser is a healthy thing. What's a parser? Parser are the veils, the cloaks, the boundaries that exist in existence. All of life is based on boundaries. If there was no boundary between the food pipe and the, and the windpipe, would be dangerous. There's boundaries between your heart and the ventricles of your heart. The brain. 
Everything in existence is boundaries and structure. But that's a divine structure. Those are midas and shiurim that God puts into the structure that requ- that's necessary for a healthy structure. And Yaakov is also respects that structure. He, but he's bringing in also an additional energy, like he says, the same taste of Matan Torah, to transform material world, you need to have more than just the energy of the structure. That's what Yaakov is doing. But Lavan, what Lavan wants to do is, no, he wants to intensify the, the, the veils. He wants to make, instead of just a veil, wants to turn it into a, a, a dark cloak that does not leave, that, that becomes airtight, that doesn't let Kedusha in. And explains he doesn't want Bittel, he wants he's self-absorbed, and you know, beautiful explanation in the last chapter we learned about the tivus of, of how Lovin translates in our in our terms. He said the klipa of Lovin is the klipa of Chachma the klipa and Kesson the klipa, and he explained those two things as being tivus and Kovit. What's tiva? Tiva is when you have a desire, so that's more of a premius dika tiva. It's more internalized. Kovit is this thing that surrounds you, and he actually brought levushim garments as an example. Because remember, the whole thing is about garments. That 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 the lover wants to intensify the garments. He gives an example of people who love. He says, "There's shemer esatzir shalei." People who look at their image, they're protecting their image. Image control. He calls this the clip, clip of loving. He says the antithetical to elikus, because the whole idea of elikus is not to be worshiping your image. Look physically. People who love to look a certain way, they dress, and they. Sit. He doesn't say stand in a mirror, but it's very clear that their whole business is they're trying to look perfect. What does that mean? They're obsessed with self-image. They're obsessed with themselves. Well, everything that's divine is about putting yourself aside. So COVID is all about myself. Recognition. My recognition. That, that's Lovin. So Lovin wants to create... Basically, Lovin represents a world of self-absorption and self-interest. And Yaakov represents a world of selflessness and transcendence. So when Lovin sees what this transcendence is about to do to my self-interest... You know, basically, the economy of today that's interested in itself and greed and power and sees what Yaakov could do, he puts up a wall. That's the mound that he puts up. He doesn't want it. You don't come to me, and I don't go to you, basically. Let's create this wall. But the blessing here is that Yaakov already had done 20 years of work, and he preceded Lovin's resistance. So, right, so because he did that all, Lovin's block cannot really block out Yaakov's power. He could slow it down and impede it, but it's not a challenge anymore because since Yaakov worked, like he said, he was already mamshik bli gvul. And he was even mamshik gvul because before he proceeded, he was wise enough, before Lovan built his mound, Yaakov built his matzeva. You understand how the whole parsha comes alive? The whole parsha, which you read, it doesn't make any sense, this whole thing. Why he's building a matzeva, a marker, and Lovan's building a mound. And, and, and he doesn't say it, but clearly the fact that Yaakov built the mound before, the first time he built the, not the mound, the, the, the Matseva, on his way in, that's seems Malchus. to be, yeah, that's Malchus. That means that he like preceded the Magdim Rafur Lamaka, basically. So he says that's the point. By doing all this, it's giving us the power that later, like you said, when you launch something, you have to have an initial surge. That's what Mount Tair is about. That's why in the beginning of creation, like we learned in Basiligani, why was Ikashkina Betachtenim Hoysa? Why was the primary Shkina down below? And then the first sin, it went up to the first heaven. Then the second sin, the second generation, the next heaven. By the way, these are paradigms, for example, these heavens. It's paradigms. And, and then the Avram started bringing it down. Because when you begin something, like a chinuch, when you educate a child, you take a child to school, the first day you throw him gifts, 
you throw them candies, you give them gifts, because you want to launch something, you always launch it with power. That's why we have Tishrei in the beginning of the year. A month full of holidays. Merubah. It's Shvi, from the word Sova, like Mashbiyun I say. You want to say t- you want to fill up a person with all the energy, so when you go into the dark, cold world, right? you have the power that you gain from, from the initial launch. Same thing here. Before Yaakov, he already was all, uh, he had amassed and stored up a whole arsenal. And now when he's on his way, here Lavan is, is making this final stop and saying, no, no, not so simple. So Lavan had impact. But as he said, it did not have total impact because Yaakov had already done this. Yaakov had preceded him. And, I mean, to me, this like you read the Pasha, it's a whole different Pasha when you hear this. First, we understand love and Yaakov, the significance of it. And of course, all this is a preparation for Esau. So this is what we learned. This is where we're up to right now. Um, I just want to add... What do you mean a preparation for Esau? Because the next step is Yaakov then comes to Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim and tells him, Im Lavangarti, why? Because he wants to tell him what I accomplished. He wants to let Esau know, I'm, not, I'm no slouch. I, I, I did plenty. And love and underestimate it, don't underestimate me. It's a good lesson today what Israel should be doing in the Middle East, you know. Um, but that's another story. Um, so now, I just wanted to add a few things, some things we discussed, I want to just say. Just as an overall introduction. Overall point I want to make is the following. Who, that wants to know who is lost, love or Esau? He's asking every week this, every day he asks this question. So the, 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 the teacher will come when the student is ready. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have the answer because he's going to discuss it. Just be patient. Be patient. I understand, I understand. No, he, no, I understand. You sound like the the other, the, the, the Mittler Rebbe wanted to hear Chassidus from the Malta Rebbe, so he would send his sister Freyde, because the Malta Rebbe would explain it to her, and then he would listen in by the door. <laughs> so, yeah. huh? I'm not going into that right now, that's another story. I just was at Emma's. You know, this is going to be looked at in years from now. They won't even know the, the, the... Then we'll have all the peace in the world, right? But Israel. I already said my peace. It's very posh. Until you have a complete maimon, a believer in God, understands what Ezra Israel is. I just saw a video from the Rebbe that said, he's telling the Knesset member, as the Rebbe, what should I say in the Knesset? So he says, tell them, what should be the biggest message? He says, teach everybody what is Israel. What means Israel? What means Eretz Israel? Why? Because if you don't appreciate the real spiritual value of Eretz Yisrael, there's no way you can be passionate and go all the way. There's no way. And the Havdol of those, though I don't like to say this, unfortunately the Arabs have faith. And they're, they're, it's misplaced, it's destructive, it's violent, but their passion far outweighs the passion of many of our Israeli leaders. No question about it. And I'll tell you something else. I once wrote an article, I found this, I couldn't believe it. This was back in Al-Qaeda's times. So I wrote like this quote that said, that Israel doesn't deserve the promised land because it's not ready to fight for it. So I asked the question, who said that? The Baal Shem Tov, Rav Kook, Lubavitcher Rebbe, you know who said it? Al-Qaeda in their newspaper, in Arabic. I found the translation of it. You understand what they're saying? And it's very true. I mean, we deserve it because God gave it to us, but that's the bottom line. So why am I saying Yaakov? You have to have the gain Yaakov. It's it's one thing when there's a peaceful uh, environment, but if it's a war time... 
unless you really fully believe in your cause, how can, how, you fight with like, uh, you know, begrudgingly, which is exactly the story there. They don't know what they don't know how to finish it. Faith-based. You need faith-based. 100%. Not, but now, you see, the problem is the religious people are equally problematic because they're not thinking, uh, they think about themselves. No, they're not thinking about God either. You don't have many people like this. The Rebbe was like this. You don't have people who have a global vision and also have faith. You know, that's the problem. Most religious are parochial and, and very narrow-minded. And then the secular, which are broader-minded, are completely, are, are passionless. What about the Kippah to God? I don't know, not many. No, no, I don't think, no. I think they're more zealots. They're zealots. That's what they are. They have faith, but there's something lacking. I don't know, they don't have a certain broader perspective. I don't know what it is. Anyway. Huh? We're on? Yeah, man. Okay, so this is the story of Yaakov and Lovin. It, it plays itself out today again. Listen, what did Lovin say then? Lovin says, here's the boundary. You don't cross, I don't cross. That would be nice, but that's not happening. <laughs> that's called a true ceasefire. Okay, but Lovin's intention was not a ceasefire. Lovin's intention was just to block out any holiness altogether. I just wanted to say a few things before we learn the next chapter about language. I've said it many times. I'm, just, I'm repeating things I've said before. And that is the key in learning chassidus. You can't learn chassidus like you learn other studies. It's not like the guy tells me, I know there's the 39 malachas and there's 10 spheres. It doesn't work that way. 10 spheres don't go into, you know, it's not technical. Chassidus is teaching us new paradigms, a new way of thinking. That's why chassidus is Tehidosh Hashem Mashiach. What means Tehidosh Hashem Mashiach? Mashiach is not another state, is another reality like this. It's a different reality. It's a different consciousness. We are essentially egocentric, material, conscious people. That's what we are. We have to recognize that. Which means we define things by moment, by the moment. We define things by time and space in a very tangible way. Everything is very limited. We don't see the big picture. Chassidus opens up a person's eyes to see a bigger picture. To see the forces that shape us. Now, scientists will tell you that's what they do. We don't just look at phenomena, we look at the causes that bring to phenomena. Well, Chassidus goes a step further, brings to the spiritual causes that shape phenomena. Which essentially is really the essence of what psychology is about. You see human behavior, and you look behind what's behind the curtain, what's shaping and making us behave that way. And what can I do to modify and improve that behavior? Chassidus is the ultimate blueprint for that. So we talk about worlds. The world mean world means nothing. A world is what? We, most people think of worlds, they mean planets. Or they mean, they mean solar systems or whatever they mean. Or the world of, of, of you know, the world of, uh, what was it, the world of GARP? Or, the, you know, the world of economy, the world of politics. The levels that we talk about in the spiritual world, really we're talking about paradigms. So perspectives. For example... When you say perspective, like this, the story, the famous story where uh, that example where the chassid is arguing with the non-chassid about God's existence. And finally, at the, at the end of it, he says, you know, I envy you. Because you think about God all the time, the chassid says. And I think about myself all the time. Which he thought it was a compliment. Later he discovered it's an insult because I think about God all the time. You think about God all the time because you know you exist. So you wonder whether God exists. So you think about God. Whereas the chassid thinks about himself all the time because he knows God exists. That's a given. So he wonders whether he exists. These are two different paradigms. It's not just semantics. What's reality? Is the reality what, what the eye sees? Or is reality the forces that shape existence? 
Chassidus helps us look at the different reality. But it's a constant battle because the natural inclination of a human being is to think in very empirical and we use our sensory tools. Just to give you an example, how, how, how powerful. This would be, in my opinion, the first class I would give to anyone learning Chassidus, whether they're 14, 15, 16. First class would be this. I would have them have an exercise in how trapped we are in our language and in our perspectives. Here's a perfect example. We have five senses. They're called eyes, ears, taste, touch, and smell. So you ask somebody, can you tell me something that does not fit into the five senses? You'll find most people are hard-pressed initially to say, because everything, I either see it, I hear it, I taste it, I touch it, and smell it. Especially younger people. So, then, so let's, let's do this type of uh, intellectual exercise. Let's say you shut off all your five senses. You close your eyes, you shut down your ears, no taste, touch, and smell. Now, obviously, leave a little of your ears open because you've got to hear what I'm going to say. But, but you know what I'm trying to say. What would happen to you if you shut down all your senses? I've tried this. So usually 14-year-olds will say, well, that's being asleep. And then another smarter 14-year-old says, one, one second, you may be, your eyes are closed, but you're dreaming, so you're still seeing things. That's their thing. You're breathing. And it's, it's a good exercise because people don't you know, usually think, because our eyes, thank God, healthy people, their senses are always awake. They're always stimulated. Actually, we're overstimulated senses. So what would you be like if you shut down your senses? Well, you know what you'd be like? You'd start finding out who you really are. What your real thoughts are like. What your feelings are like. And then that makes it, so it brings you to people, to the world of thoughts and feelings. And then you say, let me ask you, does, is a thought and feeling fit into sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell? You don't see a thought. You don't feel a thought. I mean, I'm sorry, you don't see it, you don't hear it. You don't taste, touch, and smell it. So how do you relate to it? So right away it forces you to start thinking, oh, one second, it's true. I don't feel, I, I don't see love, but I know I feel it. What's a feeling? What's a thought? So right there you're taking someone from a paradigm called sensory paradigm to a super sensory paradigm. And you can climb the ladder. You can teach people in thought itself. Let me ask you, you have now a conscious thought. But what about the millions of ideas that are in your brain you're not thinking about right now? Oh, that's true. That I, I don't even, I'm not even aware of that. So in other words, how many other things are you not aware of that are very real? So you start realizing that you know, second, when you look at a light bulb, you see the light. But there's electricity. You don't see electricity, but without electricity, there's no light in this room. Can anyone tell me what electricity looks like? Well, what I'm trying to say is you force people to get out of their conventional mode and start realizing that the real forces that shape existence are completely defined by different terms. At some point, when you train someone long enough, you start realizing that that's reality, and what we see is, is superficial. And even then, let's be very honest, even then, you get hungry, all your knowledge, all the years of your training, your stomach is hungry and rumbling, you're going to go back to eating a meal. As much as you've been trained to think in sublime terms. That's how Mugushim we are. Now, if someone says, what is Mashiach consciousness? Mashiach consciousness is a world where everybody will be thinking not just about the immediate, but that inner. That doesn't mean they won't be hungry, but they'll understand, oh, I have physical hunger, that means there's some type of deeper hunger. When you think that way, you start realizing, so it's a matter of how do you train people to, to think a different type of paradigm. That's what it is. This is essence of chassidus. The whole purpose of chassidus is what I just said now. If you want it in more aces that are more called halachic, this is understanding Agdus Hashem. If you look at the superficial sensory world, 
Everything is fragmented pieces. If you look at the inner forces, you start realizing Hashgacha Pratis, Divine Providence. You start realizing that everything are pieces in a bigger puzzle. You come to realize the unity of the Divine in existence. Now, this takes work. This takes, first of all, cognitive work, and then it takes emotional work. So I just wanted to say this. So language is critical. Because the language you use and I use, we're using, is either going to trap us or going to free us. That's why I said before. For example, when I say the word love, I don't need to explain anything because everybody immediately has had love in their lives and has love to children, to family, to spouse, to, to parents, whatever. So you, you immediately identify the word. The word immediately triggers in your mind all the experience of love in my mind. And we all have our definition. Even if you can't articulate it, but you, you know you've gone. If I, explain, if I say the word hunger, everybody relates to it. Food, cars, thanksgiving, iPhones, you know. I suddenly say the word Atsilas. So what are you going to call upon? If you have never heard the word, you don't know what, it means nothing. So if you have heard the word, you're going to call upon some memory of something you read somewhere. But you, someone say, what, so what is that? Is it like love? I say, I don't know. I mean, it's a world. They say it's a world. You know, that's, that's the, the extent most people will say because that's what they read. So if I say the word, the Kechus and Levushim, you know, Unless you have somewhat processed it, like you processed the word love and somewhat experienced it, the word means nothing. Same thing, Er, Kalim, all these things. They're foreign words. So the most important thing is to not just define the word, but to invoke. What does that word evoke when you hear the word Atsilas? What should it be evoking when you learn the mime of the word Atsilas? What, what, what kind of reaction should you have to that? Neutral? You know, I can tell you one thing. When I was in yeshiva around 17, we started learning. We had a teacher who's, I won't say any names. He's a prominent leader today. And uh, quote-unquote leader. Not my leader, but he's a leader. Um, and he, he taught us chassidus uh, in Lubavitch yeshiva. And he taught us Adam Kiyakrif. That's one of the classics that they teach for some reason, beginners. Or, you know, the younger guys. Adam Kiyakrif Lukuteteru. Until this day, I have to tell you, I still have a knee-jerk, nauseating feeling in my stomach every time I hear the word Adam Kiyakriv and Asus Tata Asus I mean, till this day. At this, we're talking now, we're talking about 40 years later. Why? Because he taught it in the most boring possible way. Couldn't be more boring. It was 7 o'clock at night when we, the whole thing moved. Can you? No, no, so, so go, go there, go for it. So, he thought it at 7 o'clock at night when we were, can't, couldn't wait to get on the bus to go home. Hungry. A long day in school. You all know the feeling. Yeah. And, and, this, and, and I remember it was like a drone. You know, you ever fall asleep halfway and the mosquito comes in your ear and like you can't get rid of it. So now when I read the words, I have to always like, I have to go to years of therapy for this. To be honest. <laughs> That's a joke, but the point I'm trying to make is that these impressions make a very big impact and it becomes very difficult. So what is Atzilus supposed to evoke? So I mentioned, go to Perik Tzadikei and you'll see. It says Atzilus, the word means Eitzel, means close. That's what actually what Atzilus means. Another word for Atzilus is emanation, and that's all. But where's, where's the original? Yeah, Moshes came to Hashem and said, the Jews want meat. Pasha Ba'al and Hashem, and he says, but I only bosser, where do I have meat from? So Hashem said, bring the 70s Canaan, the, the 
the, the sages, the... They had hundreds of thousands of cattle, had cattle, had cattle with them, so why did the Shailah of Meshach, where should I get meat on? You ask me a kasha on the, on the pasuk, you could look it up. Yeah, of course, that's the whole answer, because it means, what, I, I'm a teacher. Right. I can give them teira. Why are they coming to me for me? Let them go, right? Yeah, yeah, obviously. So my only boss, so Hashem says, He takes the 70 skenim, the 70 elders, and says, I will impart from your so-called power through them. And they will become so-called, you'll delegate through them. Which of course, this becomes, this is the root and the tater for the word Atzillus. That's where it comes from. So the question is, what exactly? First of all, why have to impart from Moshe? Why can't Moshe himself do it? And why? Because everything has to come from Moshe, because Moshe is the source of all Hashpahs. So Atzillus becomes, I'm not going to go through a whole discussion of Atzillus, because we learned this already. We learned what I just said. But Atzillus is the interface. We have to thank Atzillus, because Atzillus creates a bridge between our meat and Moshe Rabbeinu, basically. Or our meat and the divine source of meat. Because what's the connection? Divine source of blessings is not material. Atzillus is a world of structure, but it's a divine structure. Or the way he put it is, without Atzillus, we would not have any knowledge of God, and we would not have a feeling of godliness. Take away Atzillus, we'd have what love unwanted. A material world where maybe we can be ethical, but we'd be like animals. Basically unaware of anything that's transcendent. We would follow the rules at best. There'd be a cutoff between us and the divine. So when, Atzillus, when you hear the word Atzillus, what, you, what should it evoke in you? Thanksgiving. That's what it should evoke. Thanking God and thanking that we have a level, a dimension, a paradigm with which to work with that is a model for us of how to grow. I mean, that would be... And this would be my challenge to anyone starting to this. I'll give you five words and tell me what feeling does it evoke in you. And go learn. I'll, we'll talk about which chapters. How do you express it in your life? That to me is real learning of Chassidus. How does that level express it? What... Tzimtzum. Tell me, give me Tzimtzum. Now, Tzimtzum is not so difficult. Many people can describe Tzimtzum in their lives because it's happening, you know, every time things don't work out. It's all concealed. I wake up and, uh, and I feel uh, depressed. That's Tzimtzum. Thank you, Yeah. Toyhu is also... For- Okay, so that would be the exercise, I'll just repeat that, the exercise of taking five words or taking words, even for yourself, even with your children. You want to teach your children a little Mashiach? Take a word in Chassidus and, and help them understand from young age what that word evokes. Just like love evokes something, Atzila should evoke, and so should Bria, and so should Malachim. Even the word Rebbe, I, I'm just thinking about it. I'd love to see what, what does Rebbe evoke in most people, in words. It's interesting, you'll find very different experiences which will explain a lot of our differences of how we define what Rebbe evokes. You know, what does the word Rebbe evoke in you? I know it evokes in me. Not, when I, huh? And what does the word Mashiach evoke in a person? Now I deal with, as a communicator and a writer, I teach, I always am thinking, when I say a word, what is it going to evoke in people? And I know that many, many religious words don't evoke positive things. 
including Mashiach, including God, including Torah, because most of their limited experience with it was very negative. Which doesn't mean I'm not going to, com- I'm not going to compromise what I want to say, but I'm going to definitely change my words because I want to communicate. You know, so it's all about that. It's all about finding the right words. And Chassidus is meant to really, ultimately evoke within us, uh, within our souls, deeper perspectives and deeper paradigms that we can grow toward. And uh, you had a substitute word for God, Taylor. Yeah, yeah, I did it in my talk. Yeah. I never, you never heard this one from me? I said it so many times. You never heard this? My early years when I taught many years ago. So I realized I was sitting there with a beard and a yarmulke. And most people that the group, the, my class, were people from the arts and entertainment industry. And they they, they um, were hardly uh, uh, traditional, but they were very spiritual. Through all kinds of uh, alternative methods, let's put it this way. Yeah, like like the Gerdeb said, better better have a a a Jew without a beard than a beard without a Jew. Ever hear that one? Yeah. So um, so I decided an experiment. You know what? Being I don't know what stereotypes. I may be reminding one guy of an angry grandfather that schlepped him to synagogue Yom Kippur, or irrelevant Hebrew school teacher, or a guy that cheated him in business. You know all this stuff. So being I don't know what's going on, I decided to use my own new language. I didn't use any religious terms. This was excellent exercise I suggested to anyone and also it forces you to, 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 to dig deeper so instead of God I use the word higher reality or essence the essence of everything you know what's Atzmus doesn't even say it's God Atzmus the essence the core for the new age more new age types of groups I use words like undefined layers of, of unconscious energy or something like that you know and instead of Torah, I use blueprint. Instead of mitzvah, connection, tzafsa. Instead of Mashiach, destination. And I was going on pontificating about reaching the essence of reality using these different connections, following the blueprint, until we get to the destination with this total fusion between matter and spirit and between the inner and the outer. And we're totally aligned between what you do and who you are. And people I'm telling you were like, wow, this is good stuff. Where did you get this? After a few weeks, a guy comes over to me and says to me, are you talking about God? You know? And I said, yes, but shh, don't spoil it for the others. You never heard me tell this? Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was unbelievable lesson to me. I've never forgotten it. And it changed my whole thinking after that. And I realized words are, we usually think in our, in our generation, we think of words as being connectors, you know? Break the silence. Communicate. Your wife is not going to know what you're thinking if you don't tell her. That type of thing, or vice versa. So it's communicate, but th- but there's also words can also be band- ba- barriers, letters. We talk about the letters of Lovan, right? So the cloaks. My word, I use can use the word. I can use a word that's innocuous to me and meaningless, but it goes makes you go ballistic every time I say it, because whatever your mother said it every time she got angry. How am I supposed to know that? So words mean nothing. What are words? Words is what you make you you turn them into meaning. And I've thought many times. You use the word cheese. Start thinking about the word cheese. You know, cheese could have been applied to uh, meat. And meat could have been called cheese. It means, the word means nothing. I mean, in Hebrew, we know words have meaning and so on. But it's a symbol. It's basically a symbol. As a matter of fact, there's, there's even, I, I once did a study on this. Words that actually sound like their idea. And then there are words that are, that are contrary to what they... For example, the word harmony and tranquility sound harmonious and tranquil. Right? But then there are words that seemingly don't fit. They're like, you know, uh, I have a few words like that. 
like asparagus doesn't feel like asparagus. You know, when you, <laughs> for example, <laughs> like what is it? Broccoli does. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you I know that he got up with the with the equations. Yeah, yeah. Spoke, yeah, first he spoke Judaism, but then he got up and made some <laughs> equations, so they listened to him. Yeah. Uh, anyway, the point I'm making here is that language is a, is a vital, vital component. And any, by the way, any professor, any teacher that really teaches, the first thing they'll always teach you is the first class will always be about language. Look, look at a contract. The first thing is the terms. The, you have to define your terms. What does it mean, owner? What means seller? You need to know because if you don't define the terms, you can write a whole contract and someone make a misunderstanding of what I meant by owner and who's who. So you have to have terms. You have to have your assumptions stated. Anyway, I just wanted to say this for the record, and um, and I don't think it's too late. I think we just have to challenge ourselves. Chassidus is taught this way and learned this way. It's it's going to be revolutionary. If it gets trapped into words that we just say, you know what? I learned about mamalaklam, about sevuklam, and yeah, can you tell me something about them? Like, why is it relevant in my life to know that there's mamala kalaman? You know, I've challenged a lot of times, Bokhrim and said they say, how do you explain this? I said, yeah, tell me. I'm a guy in the street, and tell me, why, why is it so important to know that there's a world called Ak, or that there's Erein Sof Lifni at Simtsum and Esosphiris Hagnuzis? So one guy says to me, what do you mean, Esosphiris Hagnuzis? You have to have Esosphiris Hagnuzis. So he's repeating to me, I said, why do you have to have it? He says, because without that, you don't have the essence So I said, okay, you know what? Why don't you explain to me why we need the Let's start with that. And at some point, you know, you get stuck because you're just repeating things you learned. I'm not saying we can't say anything. But this is called the real language and the experience of Chassidus. Okay. Basically, Lavan wants to create a whole bunch of jumbled atheists. That's the Gal, the mound. It's disorganized, right? No communication. And we're connecting it now. No communication, and it wants to create a mound of what do we say? Is it, you know, throw stones together. Stones are letters. Aces are avonim. But he wants to create basically a block that just shouldn't get through. The healthy parsa is you use a muscle, you use a riddle, you use an example, a metaphor. So you also jumble up the letters, but in it carries the message. So in Bria, like he said, it carries the message of Aces Aksiva. For example, take, take a pen and you write something down, you can communicate a message in writing. A deeper way is engraving letters, because engraving letters it's the same uhus. The same stone, which is godliness, has now shaped into letters, so it's like godly letters. In writing, it's not godly letters, but it's at least conveying the message. And what Lovell wants is that the communication should be complete, um, uh, what's the word, uh, rubbish, a complete uh, garbled, garbled, um, there's a word for it. Uh, gibberish. 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 Now, I want to add one thing. I said I, I said I promised I would do some homework. I looked up the Sifrit Kain al At the end of the chapter, he says here, Yigar Sahadusa. Yeah, Yigar Sahadusa is the word that Lovin uses from Aramaic. Yigar Sahadusa literally means the Gal, the mound. Sadusa in Aramaic is Edis. Sad, Edis. So it's the mound, the witness, the mound of witness. This was the witness. Yeah, 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 some, yeah, yeah. But that's the word. The Sifri Kain al says it's a gematria. He calls it here, Hashem. I should have realized what it is. I don't know if you ever see the words, That's what it is. 
that sometimes the Shema Meferish Yud K Vov. I'm sorry, Shema Lekenu Hashem, like in a mezuzah, is written in a concealed way. It's a chiluf. That's what it is, or tmuda. The chiluf of that, that's what he's referring to. And that's the gematria yigash adusa. So, Lavan is saying, say God, but completely garbled. That's garbled. What, yeah. Where is it? Huh? Well, how is it done? How is it written? In the mezuzah? Uh, it's chuzu b'mugzu chuzu. Like chav vav zayin vav. It's, it's, it's yud vav k. One letter for the yud k vav k is chav vav zayin vav. That's, that's by the way, a tmuda, not a chiluf. He calls it chiluf for some reason, but a tmuda, that's tmuda. Chiluf is when you replace ad bash. Aleph is tough. Ch- tmur, chiluf, uh, that's tmura is is you move with a letter. Let's say in this case, yud, yud is it's changing one letter for another. Right, yud is becomes chaf. So then, uh, then that's Hashem, and el would be uh, base, lamed mem. Yeah, Sometimes, for example, maimed. In Russia, they didn't call maimed maimed. They called it nifne. Which is also the same thing. It was one letter moved off because they didn't want the government to know, giving the Rebbe Maimon. So they called it Nifna. Mem, I am Mem Dalit. So sometimes you want to hide something, you don't want someone to know, and especially if they don't know Hebrew. So you would say, like, you know, instead of Rebbe, you would say, Shin Gimel Chaf would be one moved off. Shin Gimel Chaf. Okay, this is This is Tmura. Replacing a letter with another letter. Many times it's just one <coughs> one letter removed, basically. You know, it's like one of these, one of these things, like whatever they say, Pig Latin and, and uh, Bop language and all this, right? You speak Pig Latin? You could say, I, I speak only Pig Latin. Garbled, that's good. So Lovin is the garbled one and wants to really. Now, okay, now we go to the chapter Kuftes 109. The challenge that I pose to all of you. Really, you know, someone once a few a few years ago, someone came over to me. A few people came over and said, "I know we give a class. I'd like you to give an advanced class of chassidus." So I asked them, "What do they mean by advanced?" They said, "You know, deeper. Let's go deeper." I said, "No, that's not advanced to me. That's just uh, more, more more. That's more volume. That's quantity." They said, "What's advanced? Advanced means that everyone in the class is responsible after the class to give a class themselves." You know, that we're going to move to another level here. Not just you remain students. You have to become teachers. So here we have a parsha. Try to convey this story of Lovin and Yaakov this shop, this weekend, this Shabbos, at your table or wherever. Really, in a, in, a, in a personal way. It shouldn't be that difficult. I think if you do it, you'll be surprised what you're going to come up with. Making a suggestion. Hey, we, we always want to say something about the parsha. This is a pretty cool. My, my, my humble suggestion. We're moving to another level here. It's 200 years on the Rebbe's yard site. It's time to, uh, like it right? Time for revolution or not? Yes. That's it. Uh, 100 years from Ayin Beis. Right, exactly. It's interesting. Ayin Beis began 100 years from the Alter Rebbe. It has to be a kavon in that. Meir Shana. Wow. So Ayin Beis is like a year, you know, the, the end of Ayin Beis. And then I mean, now we're Ayin Gimel. Basically, around 100 years. These were things that were very bedewed by the Rabbeim. So, Lavin himself, when he makes his gal, internally, his inner conviction is actually uh, his tamoros. He's really, he's 
really a godly person. Oh, no, 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 no. Why would he? Why would he make it? He would if he was really wanted to jumble it and not allow the Dusha to penetrate into his world, the Haran. He wouldn't. He wouldn't even put a remnant of godliness in those words. He put a remnant of godliness in there. So it's obviously intentional, and he's also obviously connected to it. Why would he do it? It's a good question. I would answer this two ways. Number one, I don't know if consciously that's what he wanted, but he may have known, just like Bilam knew. That you can't defy God. So he knew that at the end of the day, the energy is coming, but he wants the minimal amount of God in there. So it wasn't, you're saying, you, you're suggesting that he wanted really to be able to find God. That's for sure not the shot here. He clearly says that Lovin wants not no bittle. Lovin doesn't want bittle. But he knows, because in those days they knew that ultimately the energy comes from God. So he knew that it's not about complete, total uh, concealment. But it's God Almighty. You know, I don't want any godliness in my life. I just want godly energy to live. That's how I would explain it. Would you say that he's like that zone in the, in the Tanya that ultimately he really does want to be a viewer on him and that therefore no, he's, no. he's making a challenge. He's making it difficult for Yaakov. But ultimately he's... he's you could say that if you didn't read the chapter, this last chapter, but this chapter, the last chapter makes it very clear it's not the case. One second, I've got to say a few things. Because then why does he make it all together? Yaakov made a matzeva. We already have a parsa. Why do you need more parsas? What do you need it for? That's the, the problem because with that. Because the is not is not gibberish. It's not it's not confused. It's not a gal. It, it's, it's, it's okay. So so you weren't here when we learned the chapter, but let me explain the chapter. The chapter says that the world has its natural concealment, which is healthy. That's fine. Why do you need additional? Why does he want to make an additional concealment? That can only come from a Russia who wants to conceal. Why do you need additional? We have enough concealment. Bria is already a concealment with a with with a veil that's already garbled. By the way, it's disorganized letters. Bria, Bria de Gdusha is already disorganized, and apart from we have already Bria, and we already have Yaakov transforming Bria. He says clearly, Lovan sees that he's about to bring Mashiach, and he wants this is Lovan here is definitely his intentions are not good intentions. There's no positive in it. It's the Menagid. It's like it's like Hitler. It's like uh, Pare. There's nothing. Now there's another love, and we learned earlier the root. The whole thing isn't. But that's a different. That's not the interpretation he's saying here. No, there's nothing to do with it. It's a different thing completely. He didn't discuss that. That that love, and by the way, is not the gal of, of between Silas and Bria. That gal, he said, is the gal before Silas, which is not. That's a different. It's a different interpretation. We're talking about this interpretation here. There's another interpretation that love of Gedusha. The Lovan is Kesser, Levan Elian, the highest level. And he, he builds a Gal in order not to garble it, but to bring from Bligvul to Gvul. And that is a good intention. So what you're saying is talked about in chapter um, 107. In 108, he's talking the Lovan of Klippa. He says it clearly. This is not in my interpretation. This is clear here. So Lovan of Gedusha is the, is the, is the bound that he builds between, Atsil, between Kesser and Atsilis. I think he's going to discuss it more, but basically what Yaakov does there, Yaakov draws down from love and saying there too, in Takudim, Nekudim, Vrudim. He builds Atzillus, basically. He builds Atzillus. Lovan doesn't build Atzillus. Yaakov builds Atzillus. Um, then, at the end, when they're about to part ways, so Yaakov makes a Matseva, he lifts Malchus up to, basically, to Matseva Mezim, and Lovan and Elyon makes a Parsa to make sure that the flow should be uh, a proper flow. 
It's not necessarily seen as a negative. Right. There, Lavan is doing a positive thing. How is Lavan Atachan coming from Levan Aelian? Because everything, everything in Klippa comes from Gdusha. We learned all this. Just did any of you learn the chapter before? You want me to give you? I'm, 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 uh, all this is stated clearly. He says it all very clearly. This I suggest, if you want to answer to this, read inside chapters 107 and 108. It's specific there. It's very direct and specific. Okay. He says clearly on the top of page 106, page 206. He says there's two lovans. There's, there's two interpretations. There's the Gal, the Lossum, Bechinus, Apostle between Eden and Sefa Maitzel. That's a holy one and a sacred one. And then there's the Apostle that he makes between Silas and Biyah. No, no, why don't you learn the chapter and then ask your thoughts? That's what I would submit. You learn the chapter, and then it'll be, you'll be wiser. The chapter talks about it. We're not, it's not hinted to. This is not my interpretation of the chapter. It says it specifically. Now Yaakov, however, made a matseva, a marker, a monument, and not a gal, not a, not a mound. The inegal hen asius ha shemalimim because now the Gal, this is a question he asked earlier, why Yaakov made a Matseva? He wanted them also to make a Matseva, love him. But they made a Gal. Because a Gal, as we said, are letters that are disorganized. Shemalimim, that conceal. And this is the Parsa. This is the curtain, the cloak. Aval Matseva in Asius Musudorim. Matseva, on the other hand, are letters that are organized. They are containers. They're not a riddle. They're actually containers that reflect that transparent containers to the to the to the to the, to the light of the intelligence. One second, one second, one second. Again, these are all discussed in earlier chapters. You want me to? And the problem is that you weren't here the earlier chapters. Exactly what he just said. It's stones that are just thrown there, so they're disorganized. But, it, it, but this is also discussed in chapter Kuf Zayin, 107. Okay. <coughs> it says canal, like he said canal. If you want to look, look on top of page 206. There he discusses it. So it's two different levels. Remember, there's a pass also of Gdusha. There's a chid of, uh, you can have a riddle that's a holy. But here, whereas, okay, so Matseva, on the other hand, interesting thing, a Matseva is only one stone, but he still calls it Asius. Ah, I'll tell you why. Because there were many stones that were turned into one. Some of the... Yeah. So that's considered... I looked at the fortune. Nobody makes the connection between that Evan and this Evan. And clearly here, he's definitely... Yeah, it is. Very interesting. Well, no, Rashi is saying... Rashi is saying... A what? That this was the same Evan. 
that the Evan by Lovan is the Evan that he took in the beginning? Somebody sang it. No, no the, sto- the stone that he slept on, that's the stone he made a Matseva. But later when he makes a Matseva at the end of the Pasha, you told me there is a connection, you said? Rashi makes a connection. Okay, maybe. Yeah, yeah? We raised that, but then we weren't sure. Okay, we could look it up, fine. But either way, the explanation for sure is here. That's a good... No, no, no. It said the twelve stones became one, and then he took that one and made a marker. Later, it just says he took a stone and made a marker. Question is whether it's the same stone that he made the marker. I was wondering why, why, why one stone would be many letters that are organized. So I was thinking maybe. I'm, I'm just speculating. Yeah, we're saying 12 stones. Think that huh? say 12 we're stones. saying 12. Not 12, many. It doesn't say many. Yeah. You know, because they argued. Because they argued. Because they. Yeah. It could be. Okay. Because you know, they argued about. They argued about um, who should lie under his head. So they all became one. So someone asked the question, you know, the question that's asked if they, if, if uh, why they argue which one should be under his head. Even if they became one, it's still only one part of it could be under his head. The answer is, but once they became one, they felt one. They don't feel separate, so it doesn't matter who's. Yeah. Also, somebody asked, why did they argue? They were, if there would be a pillow, I understand. It was stone. They wanted the anchor should put his head on the stone. But the answer is that. Hasid wants that the tzaddik should put a head on him. If the stone or not, what he needs, the tzaddik should put a head on him. Yep. Ola yaneh tzaddik eslishim. Yep. The Indian of this is the Indian of Me'ere'er, Mem Eus Pebeiz. Me'ere'er is from Yaakov Papirash, he's a Kabbalist. From the students of the students of the Rizal. It's a very fundamental safe, it's like an encyclopedia of words. And it has a commentary called Yair uh, Nesiv, where um, he uh, explains basically words. You'll find it very often in Chassidus quoted. It goes by Aleph base. It goes literally from Aleph to Tuf. And it takes words and uh, essentially explains what they are, each one. So Me'ere says, Mem, on the word Matseva. Mem, Eis Pei Beis, Isa, Matseva, HaKomas Malchus. Mepchines Nukuda, Lasei Separzov. Matseva, like he just said in the end of the previous chapter, end of chapter uh, 107, on page 207. So what did he say? That Matseva is Hakomas Malchus, it's lifting up, it's the erection of Malchus. You know, taking Malchus could be laying down, Hakoma means like it's standing up. So Malchus on its own is a Nekud, it's just a point, like a stone. And making it into a parts of into a full blown uh, configuration, a full blown entity like a face. No, not Kesser. It doesn't say that because it's actually not Kesser. Doesn't say that here. No, he doesn't say that here. He specifically doesn't say it because if you read the last mimer, he said that that's not that. That's based on the Kim already. That's the next level. He gets it from the book, from the word itself, or he just. No, he's a play explaining what Matsev is in a Picabola. Yeah, but what's, how's Os paying? There's, it's, it's structured. Mem, letters. Ospei Beis means section 82. Ma'er er is structured by chapters and, and chapter numbers. Chapters and there's number sections. Chapters by letter. Yeah. 
Not by letter. Ois pei beis. Not to do with ace. Pe, ace is a, it's how it's organized. It's just. It, it's like. It's like saying chapter one, uh, sub 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 chapter eighty two. Letter mem. Right. That's why they have a mem. There's multiple. No. 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 Letter mem, and then he has different. Uh, yeah. This is ace pei beis. Go back to page. Malchus is less than It's like the moon on its own is just a point. Malchus doesn't have any. It's bittel. It's ultimate bittel. Malchus is bittel. It has no giluim. But Malchus is also the one that brings the lower level. Okay, so we're not discussing the. But you never heard that Malchus is nakuda. First time you heard this. Huh? Well, Malchus is Nakuda very simple. I told you, Malchus is Bittl. Less Lomer Gamoklum. So you ask a question. If it has nothing, how could it create? That's what you're asking me. Yeah. No, what's the answer? You have an answer? Yaakov made it about. So no. It reflects and draws down from the higher levels. Like the moon reflects the sun. But the moon comes to a point by a new moon, it becomes a point where it, it disappears. And then it's reborn again. The whole Levana is Nakuda that grows. The whole moon, the phases of the moon is the story of Malchus. It diminishes to a point of a nakuda, and then now he's saying the aveda of the matzeva is what he said that Yaakov took a stone and he turned it into a nakuda, which is complete bittel with his no giluim at all, and brought into it revelations. That's that's what matzeva is. He discussed it future pages back. This is what Yaakov did. Now he transmitted that Malchus should have within it a revelation. Okay. And this is what Yaakov turned the stone into a marker, the Evan Ubchinis Nakuda. Evan is the level of Nakuda. It's a Nakuda. Nakuda means Nakuda they keep saying Nakuda sphere of partsuf. Begins with a point. Everything begins with a point. Yud K Vovke. Chachma, a point. Malchus is a point. Begins with a point and then it develops. A fetus, a seed. Malchus is a seed. So it always begins a concentrated point. What? Before Yaakov, what happened? It's a good question. What happened before Avram? It's a question you could ask about everything. Everyone contributes a piece. The last hay is usually Malchus. But now he's not talking like that. He's not... Yeah, maybe, maybe it's the beginning of the yud of the next world. I don't know about that. It's the yud of the next world, is what I would say. Um, fine. So here we go. Yankov is in the matzev. The evan pchinis nakuda. Kameshe kosim meirer aleph eis dalid. He's again quoting meirer in the in letter aleph eis dalid in section four. In letter four, aleph. The kol evan meira al yud. That every evan, wherever it says the word evan. Whatever it says, it, it, it reflects, indicates on Yud, on a point. Like it says, Avna Mishkobo, a stone with, with which to weigh it. When you make a when you make a scale, so you have a scale, so you have like a scale made of like a stone. Right. So it's a stone. The Zara says it's a stone with which to weigh. This is the letter Yud. So it's basically is a point. That means, and that's the level of a nakuda. For nakuda, b'chinus miut hakelim. Nakuda is the diminished state of containers. There's very little container there. Like I said, it's like a new moon right before the new moon. There's nothing there. The kelim are very, very few. I am ashikosus b'biyuri azayir bolak al posuk shcheira ani. Look in b'biyuri azayir and on the posuk shcheira ani. 
that I am dark. Because that's what it refers to, that I, Malchus, are completely... Well, which means it's still like a seed, so it doesn't. It's not yet a container to receive and contain the energy. Then comes Binyan Hamalchus. You know, we talk, for example, in the ten uh, days of Tshuva. Also, we talk Rosh Hashanah is the birth of Malchus, New Moon, and then comes Binyan Hamalchus. Now you have to build up Malchus. We'll explain. Let's learn what he said. Being in the Malchus, Lies B'chinnis Patsav, Ushatuch HaLakabla said, and building up Malchus is taking this point and building it up to the point that it becomes a Patsav. A Patsav means it's no longer just one cell. It's become now multidimensional. And now Shatuchal, to be, and now it, to be, it should be able to receive and contain the energy, the light. V'yeshlem in the Nekuda Nazar B'chinnis Kesar Malchus. Yeshleimer, we can we can say that this nekud is keser malchus, not just malchus. It's the keser of malchus. Even though keser malchus is the highest level in malchus, because keser chachmabin and so on, nevertheless, it's still not in a state of revelation. That's why it's called a yud. Shachrus. Shachrus means darkness. Because Malchus then is in a state of receptivity. It's in a state of ascension and leaving its its entity in order to be busy receiving. So in other words, being that Malchus is a makabal, the keva, so it's in a state I did the Torah Lemivla. Means when it's while it's busy absorbing, it can't be busy transmitting. So when a Talmud is in a state of absorption, there's only an akuda there. So that's how I would explain it. There's Yud Kei Vav Kei. Hey is how it's already has received. But in it, when it's in a state of, this last Hey I'm talking about, when it's in a state of complete receptivity, it's in an Akud. That's Kesar Malchus is what he's saying here. What is Shachos? Darkness. 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 Like it says in there that he just cited in Bolok, that's not in a state of Gilead, of revelation. And that's because of the lack of containers. Not the last life. Correct. Like you said earlier, chapter 91. What did he say there? Let's see. What's in chapter 91? Just to see. Apirish Abbez. So since there's aha, uh-huh, so there's very few kalim. The truth is, I think it's Perik Sadik Beis. By the way, yeah, He says Perik Sadik Alpha. I think it's Perik Sadik Beis. Ninety-two. That when the kalim are diminished, there therefore, therefore, there's nothing to hold the energy in. Think of it like the wick. There's no wick, so there's no light that there's no flame that can hold. Okay. That was the Rabbi Rashad that ordered, right? Wrote what? Yeah. Maybe Rabbi Rashad. Right. No. I have to look in Tzadik Maybe in Tzadik it's hinted too. But in Tzadik Beis it's Fish Beferish for sure. Okay. 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 And when Malchus becomes And when Malchus becomes built up into a Patsuf, into a full dimensional entity 
that means it, it's in a state of kalim. These begins gilead in order for there to be to be a revelation of energy in it. This is Lamata Bemadregas. Mm-hmm. He said, Ah, I understand. Keser Malchus, it's only in Akuda. Now you build up Malchus, it's lower than Keser. You're going downward. As you build it into an entity, you're not going upwards, you're making it going downward. So even though this is Lamata Bemadrega, maybe Yeshua Nakuda. When it was in Akuda, it was on its highest state of being. It was completely receptive to the higher levels. Nevertheless, the root of this hamshach <coughs> of this uh, transmission is higher. Like it says elsewhere on the Zoyar Vayakel, page Reish Dalat two o four. Okay. Okay, Hayrucha means that spirit. Iu is pashtu. What is it? What is that? Finding that spirit. That spirit is a pashtusa. Is a trend, is a, a expansion of that of that level of nukuda. Yeah. So it's a, like an expansion. Zehu. One second. I skipped something. Oh, no. That when can it become an extent expansion? That specifically kad when when there's a in a in addition. Of, of holiness and brachas from above. Mm-hmm. So that's clear. So in other words, the nekud is essentially a higher level. But for and, and expansion is a lower level. But for it to expand, it requires a transmission from a higher level that allows it to expand and grow into a partsif. So you need more kedusha and more brachas, right? Okay. Which is what, what basically what Yaakov is doing. Yaakov is taking a nekud, Kesamachas and turning it into a part of by drawing down higher forces. Yes, but when you build them at Seder, you have to build from going from down to up. Nobody starts from up. You have to start from the floor, ground, up to the top. First of all, that's just a technicality. I don't think that's relevant here. You know, um, he's taking a stone and he makes a marker. I don't know if he, Yeah, I don't know, but I don't know up and down. Listen, up and down depends whether you're standing on your head or not. I mean. No, it says that that Lamaila the Yasod, the foundation is above and the building is below. Down here the foundation is above. I don't know. It doesn't matter. It's the same idea. It's the same idea. I mean it's like saying, does a child grow from the feet up or from the head down? Which way do we grow? Who knows? You know, like the, the, by the way, there's there's a there's a machlekes in Gemara about here. Does the hair grow? The outer hair grows more. Or does it grow from the follicle? Huh? Yeah. The Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. All this is in kalim right? And the kalim draw more energy when the kalim expand. But not in the oil, right? You said the nekuda in the spashus. Everything is in the kalim. But that draws more energy when there's more kalim. There's more energy. So what? Yeah. Always, always, always. Okay. And we can say that this is why it's called kima. It's called a, a lifting or an erecting of. Kima means when someone wakes up and they stand upright, basically. It's, it's being lifted upright. 
uplifted. Yeah, that's the right word. Being that it's through a transmission of a higher energy, that's why it's called kima. Maybe that's why he's answering your question. In other words, malchus on its own is an akuda, and lifting it up, and lifting it up, that's because is that's why it's called lifting it up because it's a transmission of a higher energy. And look there in the Maimon Hazair, that Zayr dispashtusa da that the expansion of that point, Zehu, Bishabas. That happens on Shabbos. Zehu, Shabchinus Malchus, Meir Bibiyah. Because on Shabbos, Malchus radiates in Biyah, Shaleyah de Hefsek Vehelam Apasan, not through any concealment, block, through any, uh, through any, uh, through any, uh, veil and concealment, through any, uh, Hefsek, through any, uh, stoppage. And Helam Hapasa of the of the curtain, so that's the level of interruption, right? That's the level of Shabbos. That's when Malchus radiates in Biyah. V'sham shuai de Maiver Hapasa leibislapshus. And there in that Maimer Hazayar on Vayakel says that this is Maiver Hapasa. It's only through passing through the curtain, not islapshus. V'uinyan mayofem pamayich. Oh, that's now Lyam. Okay. That's the Mayofa. How beautiful. Pamayach. Are your... Um, Pamayach are your... Uh, bells? Footsteps. Yeah. How beautiful are your footsteps? Which is from the shoes. Aha. That's the Pshah. Okay. Let me explain. Myver Islapshus. Myver Islapshus. I'm sorry? How could it be without the parcel? Are you disturbed that something can be without the parcel? I mean, so the difference between Maivar and Islapsus goes like this. Uh, Maivar and Islapsus is two ways that things are transmitted. One it's only passing through, and the other is that it assumes the properties of the thing it's passing through. One is like a mashbach, like a funnel. So a funnel, let's say you funnel wine from a, from a bottle from a barrel into a bottle, it doesn't change the personality of the wine, it's just channeling it. So it's Maivar. Slapsus means that it manifests, it gets enclosed in the in the interface, and therefore that uh, an example is given for this of the example in the, the the way the mind, the mind, the brain uh, conceives of ideas. That's slapsus, and the way when you write the idea on paper, it's only myver. Your fingers don't get intelligent. Your fingers are just instruments through which intelligence is passing through. That's the difference between Maivar and Islapsus. It's brought very often this discussion around, for example, by when the Kedusha comes in the Mishkan. Was, did it remain there or did it not remain? If it's Bederich Maivar, it usually does not remain any, and there's no impression left. So when they, when they travel through the wilderness, the Mishkan, the places that was only for the time, and then they moved on because it was more Maivar. When it came to Beis Amigdash in Yerushalayim, then the Mishkina manifested in an internal way, Slapsus. And that's why even today, after the destruction, Kedusha Lezazim and Kema, holiness remains there. So generally something, Hislapsus is more internalized, integrated, and has an impact. Both the energy has an impact on the thing it's manifesting in, the thing that it manifests in has an impact on the energy. Maiver is much more of a just passing through type of thing. You know, like I remember there was a bunch of guys came to our Shabbos table, my father, my father asked them, so are you tourists or are you residents? You know, you're passing through, or you, uh, like, he didn't mean whether you live here. He meant to say, it's just a, uh, like a, uh, you know, spectator, right? A sightseeing uh, trip, or something more, it's lapsus. And each one has its own mila. 
Slapshus and Maiver. So what he's saying here basically is just explaining a little more this whole Malchus thing. That Malchus expansion comes from a higher level, the Zaya says. He says that's Shabbos. That's when Malchus goes upright, because Malchus shines through. So he's saying this Malchus that goes Shabbos goes through the Biyah. It goes through the Parsa. But so six days of the week. It goes through the parsa and, and the parsa affects it. So the energy flows through and the veils and the curtains actually uh, cloak and somewhat shield the flow. Shabbos, it's just passing through. It's a much more intense energy. So it passes through the curtain. It always has to pass through the curtain, but it's uh, not affected as much. It's more bederach maivr. It's just like passing through without really being impeded. It's almost like the difference between heavier sunshades and, and, and not such heavy shades. So the shade is the same, but the energy of Shabbos is just much more of a powerful energy. It's a higher energy. Yeah, so it's, let's say this, you know, curtains can black out a certain light, but if it's a much more intense light, and like Hispastus of Malchus, not just the Nakuda, then it's much more expansive and more revealed, basically. So he's saying, and that's my Yofa Pamayach, how beautiful, remember he said before Nalayim, he said that the Levushim, the garments, are what cloak. But there are garments that block out and there are garments that let something shine through. And Shabbos, how beautiful are your footsteps, means that it shines through. And then there's when it feels dark and you don't sense the revelation. It's just different levels of how much the shine is, is, is coming through. And that is because the root of the Hamshacha of turning an akud into a patch, of taking the point of Evan, turning it into Matseva marker, that comes from a higher level, Atik. Since it comes from Atik, which as we shall learn is probably Levin Elian, that is what gives it the power. So even though it's a lower level than the Nakuda, Matseva, but Matseva is rooted in a far higher level that, the, like he says, Kaddishin. He says, Kachin, Abarchin, Abarchin, Kachin could be even Kaddish maybe. Not just holiness, maybe the Kaddishim that we say. And many more brachas. In Pashas, he means Kedusha. Yeah, okay. Anyway, that's that. This is a little Kabbalah we're learning here, but it's the levels that we're discussing, the whole levels of how, as we'll see, Malchus, remember, is where the Kalim misper. Sphiris misper is primarily in Malchus. So Malchus is being elevated, so you're really bringing into misper, Hakalim, you're bringing the energies all the way to the Bligvul. Which is what Yaakov does. And how does this relate to us in our life? What we talk about? <laughs> I'll explain it after we finish the whole thing. So why is the Shabbos? I These are the actual levels of what we said before. He's really just explaining. He's basically explaining how, uh, like you know, the garments, the, how much flow comes through it. But we'll soon talk about what, how you explain Naveda, how you make from an Akuda Patsuv. That's a question, which we shall discuss. I want to finish it first before I say anything. What is bothering you? Why Why the Shabbos? The Nekudu to Patsuf, you need it always. On Shabbos you have more power. power like but anything. So what did Yaakov do? Shabbos every day. He didn't finish. He's still in the middle of a subject. Let's see where he goes. He didn't finish the subject. Yeah. This is a little Kabbalist. Some chapters are more technical. This is a more technical. But we'll explain it because it's all the understanding of Yaakov. Let, let's continue. Now is a parenthesis. How long is the parenthesis? No. No, there's a parenthesis within the parenthesis. I think this is a quite long one, actually. Yes, there is. Because, oh, uh, the closed canal in the, towards the end of Rashid Bay. 
like, middle of next like page. 18 lines up from the bottom. Yeah. Okay, long parentheses, so be it. You want to skip the parentheses and go? I, I, we'll learn the parentheses. It's complicated as it is, so it makes no difference. <laughs> okay. Law what? It's a level of Ak. Ak as an Odom Kadman or Atika Kadisha. Which Ak do you mean? So it depends. Atika Kadisha, you have in every world. also have in every world. How do you like that? You didn't know that, huh? You have everything in all the worlds. Radlo is usually the, one of the levels of Atika Kadisha, Atik. So Odom Kadman has a level of Atik too. Depends how you're talking. Microcosm, macrocosm, it depends what level. It's just asking a general question. There's no black and white answer to that. You want, again, you're asking me to simply want to know where, what shelf it belongs on in your kitchen? In your kitchen? Not that black and white. Reisha decides a level in Attic. So here we go. Long parentheses. Look, he's grounding all these ideas that we learned. This actually, to me, is very helpful, this type of chapter, even though it's very technical, because it it gives us uh, the coordinates of like what the whole thing is. It's not Havana so much, but it's the language. It's the levels. So that's going to help. So it's a little, you have to bear through it, but it's also part of this, and that's it. And so it's grounding it. It's all the source. You see how many sources he's brought so far? Beauty, Hazea, Ma'er, Air. This whole chapter is suddenly sources. It's almost like the sources for everything he's discussing. That the root of Malchus is in Rad That's an attic, obviously, as he says. means a the head that's not known. Sometimes it says it's not even known to itself. It's like the unconscious state. Just for the record, you want to know the relevance? We're now talking the building blocks of you and me. All this is a piece of you. you have, now the question is, I find where it is inside of you. There's a Malchus in you, there's the Nukuda, there's the Patsuf, there's Radla, there's what Yaakov does, there's what happens on Shabbos. So he, right now he's just mapping it out technically, but essentially this is like doctors speaking to each other. You know, he's telling you that he's giving, he's talking the, the medical terms, the spiritual medical terms of where these levels are. Okay, but I just want to tell you what he's talking. But we first have to finish, then we can explain it. So right now he says, Malchus within us is, is rooted in law. He's explaining, how does this process work? He just said like this. It starts with a nekudah, a point, a, st- a stone. The stone is turned into matzeva full-blown. We know this is a lower level because keser malchus is the, is the nekudah. Now malchus is, is being matured. This is essentially the maturity of Malchus, the growth of Malchus. So even though it's lower, but it's rooted in higher, because the root of this growth is coming from higher forces. He says, Atik Radla. So if it's coming from higher forces, then I have many questions. So what's going on? Then it's not in the Kud. So he says, no. Even though it's rooted there, think of it like a fetus. The first cell, when this an egg is fertilized, is an Kud. Even though it's rooted in Radla, Birth, the birth is rooted in the source, but when it comes, but practically, like he says here, how Malchus emanates, how Malchus emerges, it emerges as a point, a new moon, not a full moon, a new, a new creation, a new birth, a new seed. 
Vieshlaimir, the parentheses in the parentheses. The leaves that had low pchinus lo yada, that being that had law is a level of lo yada. It's of a, a, a level that's beyond knowledge. Like unconscious. muhus, you do me. It's not in a state of awareness yet, of consciousness. Even in itself, it's not in a state. Which we learned earlier. Like it says in Siddur in the Pirish of Baruch Shammah, what does it say there? That Radlah, there he talked about Baruch Shammah Vahaya Elam, and then there's Baruch Hu. Baruch Shammah Vahaya Elam is still Radlah, means it's not yet in a state of consciousness. An example for it in our personal lives is, like uh, I give the example, right now we're conscious right now that you're sitting at the table and we're learning. If I asked you, what is your left leg doing? So now you think about it. But a second before, what, what, what it was there, but you weren't conscious of it. There's a state of being that's not conscious of itself. Which means when a person is... Uh, so consciousness itself is already a revealed state. You're aware of something. But that doesn't mean it's the highest state. The highest state of everything is when you're not aware, actually. When it's just there, and you don't have to be aware of it for it to be there. Like the real... That's where, that's where real reality resides. Did that make sense to you? If it didn't, we'll move on and we'll explain it later. Didn't make sense to you? That's reality. Consciousness, awareness and consciousness is already a manifestation. Right. Okay. So since it's a state of Oh wow, that's amazing. It's gavaldic what he just said here. That's why Malchus emanated in only like a Nakuda that's not yet in any form of revelation. He's explaining something brilliant here. Why Takanat? Why should a birth happen, begin with a seed? Why not right away? It's coming from such a high level. Because it's higher than consciousness. It's higher than revelation. So what it manifests in is also something that's beyond revelation. So the Nakuda that we consider to be total concealment is rooted in a total concealment from a positive place. Total unconscious state. You didn't get what I'm saying. Okay. You don't appreciate this? Very, very powerful vibe. The Levina Elyon transmits into Levina Tachn. That's what Levina Elyon. No, 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 he didn't say it yet. I'm just thinking out loud. Okay. But basically, it works like this. When we see something is only uh, very small, you can say, you know, it's tiny. And when it grows into an adult, that's when it's going to be big. That's how we usually think, with our limited sensory tools. Small. Then we learn, I'm just giving you an example. Today we know that microscopic forces can be far more powerful than big armies. You know, one nuclear reaction can be more powerful than a million soldiers and tanks and all that. We know one cell in the body, God forbid, becomes a mutation, can wreak unbelievable havoc. So we realize today that it's... So when you see... When you it's, in see it's in the nano. Right. So the fact that you see it as small doesn't mean that it's small and weak. Okay. Now, on the other hand, however, for example, a grain of sand, there are things that are small and there are things that are bigger. There are. So we can't always know, when you look at something that's tiny, how powerful it really is. Obviously, everything has power. But I'm talking about... So the question is like this. When a new... Let's, I'm using an example of a new child when a new moon is born, when a new seed is fertilized. What, what do you have here? So someone with the naked eye say, I don't see anything. I just see a, a thread, of, a strand of hair. 
Yeah, but this, what you see here, can be, end up being Moshe Rabbeinu and Mashiach. Or Havdal of Havdalus, it can end up being Parai or, or, or Hitler. This little nothing. Because in it is concentrated, unbelievable force. What he's saying here is, why then does it emerge like in such a small Nakuda? Why does it look so tiny? He says, because its root is in a place that's beyond revelation. So when it manifests, it's also beyond revelation. In other words, the concentrated smallness of it is a, is a testimony. If it came from Giluim, then it would be large. But since it comes from a place that's higher than Giluim, it's higher than consciousness, and even Radla doesn't even, is not even aware of itself, so when it manifests, it manifests in a thing that doesn't have anything to hold on to. But it gets built later. That's another story. We're talking now how it emerges, how it begins. It's unbelievable vart. I love this vart. Major vart. Look, in Aveda, in Aveda it's the story with the Baal Shantav. You know, Baal Shantav says, Tfil Ani, Kiyatif, Lefnei Hashem Yishpech Sichi. I pray before God, Kiyatif, Lefnei Hashem, before God I pour out my, 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 my words. So the Baal Shantav asks, why pray like a pauper? And what's Lefnei Hashem? Like the pauper pours out his whole soul to God. So he gives an unbelievable example. Two people are invited to see a king. Great king. One is a literate, educated person, full of giluim. You know, a literate, not nakuda. He's got all his pastures. And the other one is a nakuda. He has nothing. He's illiterate. He's ignorant. Pauper. The first one comes in. He looks at the palace. He never saw a palace like this. He appreciates it all so much. He gets distracted. He starts reading the books, looking at the literature, listening to the music, taking in the beauty. And he misses his appointment with the king. The second one is a pauper. He's only a nakudi. He has nothing. So he doesn't appreciate anything. So he walks right through all the hecholas, through all the chambers, right into the king's chamber. If you Suspend your literacy. Suspend all your sophistication when you stand in front of the king. Be a nakudi. Like here. I did the tarot. Be completely in absorption. Total bitl. That's, that's malchus in the essence in Aveda. Now, when you're that way, you become a keli for the source. But it says also the opposite. The Baal Shem Tov says that the pshitus of Atzmus is seen in the pshitus of a simple person. But you could say, what does that mean? Pshitus of a simple person, he's, not, he's ignorant, has no giluim, doesn't have a voida, doesn't have a scholar, doesn't have anything. He's just a simple person. But his simplicity, the fact that he has nothing, is somewhat a reflection of God who has everything and is beyond everything. So beyond everything and not having everything is has a connection. That's the point. And everything in between is giluyim. Innocence. There's no simplicity. There's no... So the simplicity, the shapelessness... I was just reading one of the Maimorim, the Mitla Rebbe, where he speaks about this whole thing with, with Levushim and, uh, and Kalim. He says something... I never saw it quite that way. So he says, if you talk from Atma's point of view, he says either or. It's either infinite spheres or it's no spheres. The idea of something to be defined, that's already... It's either... It just extends infinitely, or there's not, or, or that's beyond it all. And he says it's the same thing. Infinite, without, with, in other words, without, when something has no definition, it manifests in no definition. So the no definition of the nakuda of a spark is manifesting so-called the, inf, the beyond infinity of, of the source. That's what he's saying here. So Malchus as a nakuda, this is a yeshlemer. I never saw this. this is a pretty interesting. A lot that can be learned from this. In other words, it's not, we're not asking now, we understand that a concentrated nakuda has a lot in it. 
But why does it have to come as an akuda? Why can't it? Why can't it immediately express itself? Because it's coming from a place that expression is not even a, a, a virtue. That's the point. Because it's so high. That's why it comes in the Kudah. Or Bhagdeshi is Pasha Samakh's Bikinis Gilit Sarakli is Madregal Yani Yesar. Okay, so that's why Malchus on its own starts like an Akuda. <coughs> this is all this parenthesis explaining this whole thing. In order for there to be a spasha samalchus, Malchus should spread out, should expand. Well, I hear it's talking about building it into a patriv, not necessarily. He's talking about building it into a patriv in Tamatseva. That Malchus should have not just Keser but Chachmabina. Binyan Hamalchus. This to be to be revealed, this you already need a higher level. So in other words, the new moon, why do we celebrate Rosh Chaydish? Rosh Chaydish, you could say, wait a second, Rosh Chaydish is, is, is almost nothing there. Fifteenth day of the month. That's when you should be celebrating. But Rosh Chaydish is what we celebrate because in that spark lies Radla. Fifteenth of the month lies the Giluim, the revelation of it. But it begins. And what we honor is Rish Chedesh. HaChedesh HaZalachem was in the beginning of the month. Well, what are these words that... that okay. That's another story. We're talking well, two different things. Right after the French generation. Well, but, 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 you didn't hear what I just answered because you're not listening. I told you so what? So we, we celebrate the 15th too. But, but Rish Chedesh has its... That's a different virtue. That's the virtue of revelation. What he said just anyway, bottom line is... One second, so it's coming... Then it's an Akuda. He didn't say that. Before the, let's go back, keep the flow here. Before, keep the flow. He started off saying, very simple, that 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 Malchus is an Akuda on its own. And in order for it to... Uh, to uh, for, it to no, for, for, for it to expand... That requires the avoid of making the matzeva. That's a work. Now expansion is a lower level. However, to make it expand, you need to come and reach something beyond to bring it down. That's where he brought the zayar. That you need to have a sase of kadishin barchon mileila in order from the nekuda should be extended. One second, I'm, you asked something, and I'm answering you. You want an answer? Or you don't want an answer. I'm telling you the answer. That simple. Now he said. It works like this. Malchus itself is rooted in Radla. That's why it's in Akud. Now you want to make it extend outward. So now we need to have something higher to make it extend. But that higher is not in Malchus. That's coming from a level outside of Malchus. That's what's going to be Yaakov doing that. Malchus begins as a Radla. If you want it to expand, you need some type of power. Kadishna Birchen Lila, Meleila is not from Malchus. Malchus is rooted in Radla. That's it. It's like he said before, it's Kesar of Malchus, but it's higher than Kesar of Malchus. This is this Yisod, this ninth fittest before Malchus. So, yeah, but if you have a high shayrash, it should be. You didn't hear what I just said. This is Kesar of Malchus, Radla of Malchus. There's levels higher than that. There's all the Malchus is still a moon. It's not the sun. The sun is higher than the. the, the the uh, comes from a different place. Well, if, if you all had patience, he'll, he's going to spell it all out. Well, I mean, why, you know, he's, he's, he's explaining this. That's what he's saying here. And like we find in the Hadashim this is again a Kabbalistic level, which I'll explain for a moment. What time do we have? 
like we find Nehiya Chadashim Dezah, what does Nehiya Chadashim Dezah goes like this? Zah is the Midas, Zayir Ampin, the six Midas. They have their general transmission of energy, and then there's a thing called Nehiya Chadashim, which means that when the Midas have an abundant energy, let's say like on Shabbos or something like that, there's a birth of a new Nehi. So, so that's a level in Kabbalah. So it says in Kabbalah that when that newness comes, that comes from Kesar, from the crown. So he's explaining now. When you study on your own, you have a certain level of, of concentration. If you have to and transmit to others, you need to go, you need a hamshach, you have to go dig, dig deeper and bring a draw down from a deeper place, from a higher place. So you bring an example. If Nehi Chadashim needs to have something from Keser, and it's not enough the regular transmission, so for sure Malchus, which is a lower level than Nehi, is Malchus, which is Nekudah. For it to have, for it to become a Patsu, for it to be built into a whole full-bodied entity, it needs to have a higher transmission than Malchus has. To put it simply like this, Malchus is a Nekudah, it's like the moon. By the Rosh Chedesh, it's a new moon. It's a complete bitl. It's a very high level. Because it's rooted in Radla. But now you want the, the moon to glow, to grow. Where is it going to grow from? The Nakuda doesn't... Nakuda is, 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 is satisfied with its state. So you need something to make this grow. You want Malchus to now transmit. You want the moon to give off light. So you need to reach into a higher level. And physically, it would be the sun. In this example. What the level is, we'll find out. Clearly, this is going to be Yaakov's Aved. Because the Evan is the Nekud. But Binyan HaMalchus is a work. We have to build Malchus. How do you build it? So the building of it is a lower level than the actual Nekud. The Nekud is the higher level, but the building requires an, a certain effort. It's like the teacher may have it all concentrated in the point inside of him, but now he has to teach it. So he needs to find something outside of himself, a higher dimension that will so, so-called force it. To transmit. Why do you have to say the Evan is the Nakud? It says in my Evan is the Nakud. It made it very clear. The Evan is the Nakud. You have to. I mean, why do you have to say there's an Evan if you're going to ask questions? No, no. Yeah. But otherwise, when you're saying that you have to build a Malchus, you could say by putting the Evan, they build a Malchus. Well, listen, he's bringing very reliable sources. Yeah. You have to remember The whole story is not a story that happened about Yaakov was not busy with stones and mounds. Who really cared? It's it's all spiritual levels. It manifests in stones, you know, and stuff like that. This stone is the Next time you walk on the sidewalk, realize what you're walking on. That's the point. Even though this is man-made stones, but that's another story. Yeah. But 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 stones are like that by themselves. Then you have to make them into my Why don't we continue learning and we'll find out? Okay, this is going somewhere. But you said immediately the next time I walk outside, I have to think about these things. Because you may not end. The, we may not end this chapter before today, so that's why I'm saying. Listen, this is a long parenthesis that is very kabbalistic. But if he goes painstakingly through it, we get we'll get uh, ideas out of it. You know, I'm aligned, I'm making sure I'm, I'm making sure we're aligned with what we're learning. This is the key. This is all details in the picture. Never, maybe the bottom line is 
We're taking from a, a, a stone and we're turning it into a parchment. We're taking from Evan and turning it into Matzev. He's talking now the details of how this is done. We can say now in the now in there in Hago. Which Eitzchaim? He brought an Eitzchaim earlier. Do you remember Eitzchaim? Yeah. Eitzchaim Shar Arechampin. At the beginning of the parentheses, the Sheresh Amalchus Uberadlo. Okay. In the Hagah, in the gloss there, he says like this. Maksha or Makasher? I think it's Maksha. He asks the question, Mabir Haidrazuta. The Mabchinis Nihidati Kadishinasa Bchinis Malchus, the Arechampin. Yeah, he's asked. He asks the question: If, if Malchus is ruled by law, why does it say in Idrizutra? Idrizutra is uh, essentially is Idr Rabbi Idrizutra. It's like the small uh, Idr um, group and this large group. There's the two Idrizutra. Huh? Idrizutra, two sections of the Zayar. Idrizutra is in Parsha Azino, where it talks about Rashbi's passing. Idr means when he gathered together his Talmidim. And Idra Rabba is a, is a big gathering which was in Pasha Nose. So this, when you say Idra Rabba, it means it's a section in Zayar Pasha Nose, and Idra Zut is a section in Pasha Azino. So he says, he's asked there in Hagar, you just said Malchus is ruled in that law, in Zayar there, the Mchinis Nihid Akti Kedish Nasa Mchinis Malchus Darechampin. I don't know if it's Maksha or, 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 or Mekasher. I have to look it up. I because I, I, I think it's Maksha. I have to look it up in Eitz Chaim. You want to bring me the Eitz Chaim? It's right here. Let me see. It. On the bottom there. They should, they, they should write the word until the end. The printers. Well, the Rebbe the Rebbe Rashab didn't change what the Rebbe Rashab did. And you know something? That's why we, I thank God, intelligent to look inside. Arichampin Pelig Beis. This is in print. Shout out to Champion. Pedic Bays. Let's see. Let's see. If you don't mind, a little Kabbalistic uh, insights here. You, if you think this is complicated, learn a little late time. I really need a uh, reading glass. It's ridiculous. Okay. Oh, that's yes, but he said that the Rabbi Shabbat was a man of cool. So why did they do this? I feel that everything was going to be. Okay, first of all, that God is not so obvious where that God is. Okay. Oh, yeah, here we go. But he brings down here, we didn't want people to laugh. But he doesn't, it's regular stuff. He doesn't, it's regular stuff. Oh, uh, my mistake. This is okay. Finally, Rosh Davis, I didn't get right. I know why. There's a mistake here. That's why. Mahagdomas. That's what it says here. The Hagdomas. He says here like this. Look. Uh, 
Wahnsinn, Wahnsinn, Wahnsinn. Second, what happened here? I just saw it. That's what it says here. Bagdomas beer idrazutra. Bagdomas beer idrazutra. That's the mem kuf. No, the hey mem hey kuf is probably what should say. That's why I didn't. I taught maksha. But it says bagdomas beer idrazutra. Bagdomas beer Okay, so it's not a question. He's just saying that there it says that from the according to this, we can say that even though Malchus is rooted in that law, I know that's the outer level of Malchus. Okay, this is getting now far more complicated. And I would okay. This I would stop here because this needs its own discussion. It's not going to be two minutes. I got to study a little myself. So let's stop here. We did. We middle of the parentheses. We did chapter one hundred nine, page two hundred and ten, and we'll continue and we'll take it from there.